Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of Off the Block Swimming Podcast, season four. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today, wherever you are right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, such an amazing response to part one and two of my chat with Mr. Mitch Larkin. We had a big surge in numbers in downloads to start this season, bigger than any start to the season we have had before. So thank you very, very much for your support. We really do appreciate it and cannot wait for you to hear today's special guest story. And it's none other than the current women's 100-meter freestyle Olympic champion, Penny Alexiak. Sat down with Penny this week to go through her incredible fast rise to stardom in the pool from age nine all the way to being Olympic champion at just 16. We go through her training to get there, the ups and downs along the way, her Rio experience, what she felt she learned from those games and will be taking forward into Tokyo later this year and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. I am really excited for you all to hear this chat. So many great takeaways. So get your pen and paper ready, grab a drink, settle in, because EP3, my chat with Olympic gold medalist Penny Alexiak, starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100-meter freestyle Olympic champion from Rio, representing her home country of Canada. She has competed and medaled at World Champs, Com Games, and as I mentioned, her amazing 2016 Olympics, where she also earned herself a silver medal in the 100 fly, two bronze medals with her teammates in the relays. She is also a brand ambassador for the Phelps brand, which we will get into in just a little moment. But for now, it is a very warm welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Penny Alexiak. Penny, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well. <laughs> so I'm assuming, we just had a chat off air about um, coffees. I'm assuming um, you've, had, you've at least had your coffee for the day. I did have one this morning and I had like a hibiscus tea. So oh, yeah. I think that's supposed to have caffeine in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, tr- you're secretly cheating is what you're telling me. A little bit. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, all right. I told you I have three a day, so it's okay. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dob you into anyone, um, mate. 2020 was what it was, and obviously the Olympics got postponed, and the pandemic took over the world, and and it all happened. How has 2021 been for you, though? Because I don't want to go back. I don't want to. I'm sick of talking about 2020. It's it's over now. How has 2021 been for you? Um, I'd say it's been pretty good. Like we have gotten some really good training blocks in and we've had a couple opportunities to race and I'm pretty much the fastest I've ever been at this time of year like any season ever so I'm really happy with where I'm at right now 
I would be too. Current um, Olympic champion and she's as fast as she's been. Uh, that's a pretty ominous sign. For all intents and purposes, Tokyo is going to go ahead this year, which I think will be a great thing for all the athletes and fans like myself. Like I loved the ISL coming back on for, for no other reason than it was just great to watch competition. How has the yeah. preparations been for you? I know it's going to be a little bit different for all the athletes around the world because everyone's affected you know, in different ways. How have you been tracking? We just sort of touched on it then, but a little bit more in depth. Um, it's honestly been really weird for me because we'll normally go to training camps like in Florida or something like that. And for me, those training camps are pretty important because it really lets me like put my focus just on training for those like two weeks. I literally get a tan, train, and like I try and get as fit as possible in those weeks. But right now it's difficult because we can't go anywhere we're stuck in Toronto I'm like pale all the time (laughs) I'm like trying to get fit while I also have all of this stuff at home and I'm dealing with other things but um I don't know I think I'm kind of adapting to it now I think I'm learning how to make the most of it and it's definitely been a roller coaster I love that your uh, main one though was the tan. So you, you're oh. missing stuff that's so much that training block when you go to Florida. It's the tan. <laughs> oh, the tan is a huge part of it, honestly. That like motivates me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, mate. No doubt with the Olympics coming up this year, it's going to be different. You know, how can it not be? You know, we've had a, a five year preparation. Uh, we've got obviously there's going to be protocols and everything in place there's going to be temperature checks and swabs and all this sort of stuff going on what do you think the keys are going to be you know this time around to be ready for Tokyo for all athletes like I know obviously yourself you're going to be slightly different everyone's got their own little quirks that they work with but what are the keys going to be for you do you think to be ready come Tokyo time well I think from what my coaches told me, if I can, I honestly, I go places and I just race when I need to race. But I think my coach said that finals are going to be in the morning now in Tokyo. Okay. So um, I think that's a really big thing that not a lot of swimmers are usually prepared for. We're usually ready to like get into the final in the morning and then like race as hard as you can at night. So it's definitely going to be different for that. And that's something that we're really trying to work on. And we're doing a lot of races where you only have one opportunity to get up and go so that's something that we're doing um I think just being able to become like adaptable and like flexible with the things you're doing and no matter what's thrown at you you're able to kind of like turn it around and find the best solution for it and that's something that we've been able to work on for a while like my coach has really instilled that in us so I think Team Canada's looking pretty ready for the Olympics, I'd say. But um, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. Like I said, I'm, I'm ready to be like flexible and adaptable. So Yeah. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, just being adaptable. And so often, you know, we, we talk about, you know, with sports psychologists and being, you know, you have your, your plans and you, all these different things to get yourself ready. But obviously this time around, there's going to be curveballs thrown. There's going to be times where, you know, your plans aren't going to go to to you know to play so i think what you've said there is perfect now i want to get back and i don't want to spend a lot of time on you you sort of your junior swimming because i've only got you for an hour we've got a lot to talk about but for all the younger listeners out there i always like to sort of take them back to your story and where you started 
first of all, I read somewhere that you, you grew up, you know, starting swimming in a, a neighbor's backyard pool at nine. So first of all, I don't know, what's it like swimming in a backyard pool in Canada? Like I can't assume, I can't assume it's like super warm. No, summers in Canada are very nice. Okay. Summers is pretty warm here. Um, I wouldn't say nearly as warm as like most places in the world, <laughs> yeah. but summers in Canada are very warm. So like winter could not swim at all. But summer, 100%, I was always in my neighbor's backyard pool. I remember, like, my mom bought me, like, a little kickboard, and I would do, like, underwater kicks, and I'd kick along the side of the pool. It was, like, maybe 10 meters, if that. Like, <laughs> um, But, yeah, that's pretty much just, like, where I kind of started, and then I wanted to do competitive swimming from there. Yeah, talk us through that. So, obviously, your junior years – as I said, you know, so many of our, our listeners are, are younger swimmers and, and they're going through a lot of the stuff that, you know, you've been through and, and obviously where you've started. And I, I loved getting to talk to Olympic champions like yourself, because I think even though you might not think it, sometimes your stories are so relatable to those younger guys coming through now. Talk us through, you know, sort of your junior years between, say, the age of nine and let's go to about 14. So sort of just pre, you know, the roll into Rio. Um. I feel like for me, it was honestly pretty quick. Like I started learning pretty much how to like do competitive swimming when I was around like nine, 10. Um, I tried out for three different club teams in Toronto who all were like, this girl doesn't know how to swim. She doesn't know how to do any of the fundamentals. Like we yeah. can't take her. And then I went to this one coach named Gary and he just saw like a tall girl and he was like, I can teach her to be good. <laughs> yeah. So he took me under his wing and I trained with him for a while. I'd say like two to three years around there. I was like moving up the groups pretty quickly. And like by the time I was like 12, I was already training with the highest group. And he told me that I would probably need to go to a bigger club team. So I switched to like one of the more major club teams in Toronto and I worked with Bill O'Toole for a while and he was really great. He also like saw something special in me and um, he like went up to my mom and he was like, I'm so excited to like coach your daughter. And my mom was like, who the hell are you? Like, <laughs> she was like, what the heck? Um, so I trained with him again for a little bit. And then when I was like around 12, 13 time, um, Ben Titley like saw me. And he, again, everyone keeps just seeing this like skinny, tall girl. So they're like, <laughs> she's definitely going to be like able to be good at swimming. And he kind of picked me up when I was around like 12, 13. And I was like going to train with the high performance center in Toronto with like all of the top athletes in Canada every once in a while, like a couple times a week. And then as I got older, he kind of let me start going and training with them more because he was like you're not mature enough yet like <laughs> yeah. I was just going and having fun and kind of doing my thing because I don't know swimming for me still was just like I'm I was learning so much at the time still um and then yeah when I was around like 14 15 is when I made like the junior world team for the first time and I don't know I, that was kind of it for me it, it was really quick pro progression it was kind of mm -hmm. weird <laughs> It's funny you say about, you know, the coaches picking up how tall you were. That was very yeah. relatable. I not long, only like a few days ago, we had a young 11 year old girl come to the pool 
And straight away, I said to my assistant coaches, bring her over here. And they're like, why? I'm like, look at the size of her. I'm not being sizes <laughs> to all the listeners out there and all the younger kids who are little. But yeah, as a coach, when you see a really tall, younger swimmer, you, you do tend to, your ears prick up a little bit and you're like, all right, yeah. let, let's have a chat. Um, now, I know your family are pretty sporty. Mum and dad uh, were athletic at a younger age as well. And your siblings are all athletes, including your brother, Jamie, who plays uh, NHL for the Dallas Stars. Growing up with a family of athletes, does that help you sort of growing up, whether that be, you know, with advice, knowledge, or even just understanding sort of your work ethic and what you've got to go through to be an elite athlete? Does it, do you think it was a little bit more easier for you? Um, I wouldn't say it was easy. Uh, I think my parents were just very good with like kind of teaching us to have that work ethic and teaching us, um, to, oh my goodness, my dog is like running in. Sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> but no, they were. I'm really lucky. Good. My two year old daughter just went off to preschool. So otherwise, she would be running through this door right now. So it's, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, but no, my parents, they, they were really good with teaching us to kind of have that work ethic. Like my sister did rowing for a really long time. And my brother was like off playing hockey in the States somewhere, like when I was younger. So, um, they really instilled it in us. My sister would be at rowing practice at 5.30, 6 in the morning. My parents would drive me to practice at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, it was kind of just regular for us, and it was weird if one of us had a morning off almost. So I think it was just like growing up, it was normal to be doing something all the time pretty much or doing a sport all the time and really being dedicated to it. Like my parents were very insistent on never missing a practice and like eating healthy and really doing stuff outside of the pool so that I could be better in the pool. So I think I picked up on that. And like, even now it's stuff that I still feel like I need to do. Like I can't just do a regular training week. I have to be doing like Pilates, spin class, something, yeah. you know? You know, it's funny. Um, and I probably would never have thought about this in your answer until I became a parent myself. But as you're telling me this thing, I'm thinking your poor parents were Uber drivers before Uber was even a thing. Do you, do you look back and appreciate like what they sort of, you know, sacrificed themselves with their, their own sleep-ins and their own mornings. And obviously, you know, with all your, your siblings as well. Um, no, like a hundred percent. I even talked to them about that and um, my dad was like, so great. He would drive me to practice in the morning, drive me to school right after practice. He'd make me food so that I had food for before school. He'd pick me up from school with like a lunch in hand, drive me to the pool, wait at the pool for me to finish, drive me back home, make me dinner. Wow. And so I like give all the praise to him all the time. But I secretly think that when I got my driver's license, he was a little bit sad. <laughs> yeah. I think he liked kind of having that time together in the car. Half the time I'd be like dead asleep. But yeah. <laughs> the other times I think we'd like have really good chats. Um, but no, they did a lot for us. And they put a lot of money on the line for their kids to be able to do the sports they wanted to do. And I think it does go underappreciated sometimes from people. Like I know for me, I, I definitely tried to get out of a few morning practices by like crying the whole way to the pool and my dad was just driving me there and he dropped me off anyways. But yeah. um, no, I definitely appreciate everything they did for me. Well, shout out to all the parents out there. I think unsung heroes because without the parents getting the kids to the pool, there would be no trading. So 
well done to them all. Now, you, you know, the track, and we mentioned this from you being a junior swimmer and learning, you know, your craft to being Olympic champion was somewhat of a, a very fast one and doesn't really happen that way for a lot of people. It's kind of a, you know, a one in a million type deal. To give the listeners a little insight into sort of that track, what elements of swimming did you struggle most with through that period? Because I'm assuming some people will think, okay, well, that would have, must have been easy for her, but nothing's ever easy. When you get an Olympic gold medal, that's, that's earned. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Nothing comes easy. So what were some of the struggles for you through those years, say between that 14 to 16? Was there any, you know, consistency in training? Was it, you know, finding motivation? Or was it something as simple as, you know, you were struggling with your skills? Because I'm assuming at, at a younger age, you know, you're racing these elite athletes who are, you know, 22, 23. So around, you know, reaction times and power off the blocks, they're probably going to have an edge over you. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't say I had, like, I'd say obviously there was the struggle of, like, I was a developing person as well as, like, a developing swimmer. So, like, I didn't have any skills at that time. And, like, I was also growing a lot. Um, I'd say I had a lot more struggles outside of the pool than in the pool. In the pool, I was just always behind the other girls and always chasing them in practice. I remember we do dives and if the girls would beat me on the dive or if my dive would be too slow, like compared to the other girls, my coach would make me go back and do like one or two more dives myself. Yeah. So he really like instilled that, like I have to be with those girls, even though I am six, seven, eight years younger than them, you still have to be with them. You still have to be trying to beat them. Um, I think for me, I, was like a-okay with going to practices, a-okay with going to like my extra weight sessions that I was doing. I started kind of doing weights when I was 11, which like I personally don't think kids should start weights that early, but I think it did definitely help with my progression. I think it was something I kind of needed with how quickly I was growing. I needed like the muscle to support it. Um, But for me, it was really tough just being a regular kid, I think that took a big hit on me. And Mm. it took me a while to understand that like, there's all these sacrifices you have to make to actually be a good athlete or to be good at what you want to do. And my dad would always tell me that like, I'd always want to go to a party on the weekend, or I'd want to hang out with my friends, skip practice, go to the mall. And my dad would always just be like, no, there's sacrifices, sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So I think it was more of a struggle for me outside of the pool than it was inside of the pool. Yeah. Now you've gotten older. Is it easier for you to find that balance? And obviously you're a little bit more in control now of what you're doing and where you're going. Do you think you've found that balance a little bit more in terms of being able to, you know, as you said, you're having this afternoon off instant, you know, obviously going out on the weekends or doing things. I'm not saying you're having crazy parties on the weekends, but now that you're a little bit older, do you think, and you're a bit more in control of what you're doing, is it easier to find the balance? Do you think? Um, I think, think so just because my interests have kind of changed like when I was younger I was doing like very high level swimming while just starting high school so it was very overwhelming with high school like you can everyone wants to do something every weekend everyone wants to hang out every day like they want to hang out after school I remember my dad like if he would see me stand outside and talk to people for longer than like three minutes he'd be honking his horn (laughs) at me from the car being like let's go you have practice so um I think my interests have just kind of changed like now I don't really care to go out on the weekend I'm 
at my apartment pretty tw- pretty much 24 seven. I have two dogs. I just hang out with my boyfriend here, watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> but like, I think it was just now I know what's more important to me. And I know that swimming is kind of like my career now at this point. And it's yeah. something that I have a lot of interest in getting better in. So I think then it was like, I don't know, like, I don't know how long I'm going to swim for. I might quit when I'm like 15, you know, like yeah. I never really knew. So um, now, yeah, my interests have kind of just changed around and it's easier for me to have that like balance almost. Just on that sort of being a younger age, I'm always interested from an athlete's perspective because so often, you know, as a coach, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge, sorry, you know, how your message is being received. I just recently had a chat to some of my athletes about eyeing off 2024 and making the Australian team for, for that Olympics. When your coach Ben says to you that you're going to try and, you know, you're training to make the Olympic uh, team in 2016, what goes through your head? Because by this stage, you know, what are you for? I don't know when this conversation took place, but I'm assuming it did at some point, 14, 15, you're still growing. You're still maturing. As you just said, you're going through a lot of things, Uh, mentally as well with school and all that stuff how do you process a plan like making an olympic games at that age um well when i was around 15 ben kind of was talking to me about the possibility of being an alternate on the relays for 2016 Mm -hmm. it was never really like or maybe even on the relays for 2016 like it was never really in the talks that i would do anything individually Um, and then once I made the first event individually, he was like, okay, well, like our plans have kind of changed, I guess now, like, let's see if you can make another individual. And then kind of after that is when we had more talks about what was going to happen at the Olympics and going there and competing there. And I mean, I don't know, we, we didn't really know what to expect. It was all pretty quick. And like, it was just kind of like head down training right after that and get ready for it. So you didn't really have a lot of time, I guess, to process. It was kind of just, you know, wake up, go about your work. I know it's a cliche, but like eat, sleep, train, repeat, basically. Yeah. Like I remember I took off, I was doing like two classes, I think in high school, like after I made the team and, or maybe even just before, because I think my mom was like, you're going to make the team, like you can do it, you know? And like, so I took off and I was doing two classes and in the afternoon I would do a personal fitness class so I could just get like another like weight session in pretty much and then in the morning I would do a weight session with my trainer Megs and then I'd have practice go to school do two classes do my personal fitness class and then go back to training in the afternoon like I was really really like kind of trying to get as fit as the other girls were like I was almost doing catch up in like a six month period yeah just on that, uh, it's not a question I had down, but I know a lot of uh, the listeners love being in the gym. What's your favorite sort of go-to exercises in the gym? Do you like bench? Do you like doing sort of more back day? Are you a, a leg day girl? Um, I'd say like, I'm definitely a leg day girl. I love like, I, I don't know. I love, I'm right now really into Pilates. That's kind mm-hmm. of more my thing right now, like yep. toning and really lengthening my muscles. But um. I'd say for me, my favorite like exercise, and I think like a lot of swimmers should kind of get into it because I feel like a lot of pro swimmers are is like cleans. Everyone's doing like power cleans. I think they're a really good like power exercise and they mm-hmm. really work like kind of everything you want to work. Yeah. 
Oh, very nice. Uh, I want to tackle 2016 in a, in a few different ways because, as I mentioned before, I'm sure you've talked about it a lot over the years. At just 16, you win the gold medal in the 100 freestyle along with Simone Manuel and you get silver in the 100 fly just behind uh, legend Sarah Showstrom and you and your teammates I mentioned earlier got two bronze medals in the relays. Firstly, talk to me about that whole Olympic experience. What an amazing ride for you that year in Rio what was it like? You know, you talked to me just before about sort of the, the lead up to it and that you were just kind of, you know, going through the motions and, and ticking yeah. the boxes and doing what you had to do. Was it a similar experience there? Like, have you looked back now and kind of you have a bigger appreciation for what you've done now? Because at the time, maybe, you know, you were just doing what was in front of you. Yeah, I don't know. When I look back on it, I think like it's kind of how I like do every swim meet, like I said before, and like kind of everything I do is like, when I'm given a plane ticket, I get on the plane. When I'm told I have to go to the pool, I go to the pool, you know, like that's kind of just what I do. And um, it's easy for me that way. I literally just like to be told something. I'm like, okay, I'm there. I'm going to do what I can when I'm there. Um, But at the Olympics, it was pretty much the same thing for me. Like I remember just going and it was my first national team ever. And it was a little bit overwhelming at first. I like, didn't know how the cafeterias and everything worked and like where to go. And I remember I was like staying in a room with one of the girls and she was kind of like, she was older than me and she was kind of like taking me through everything, which was really great. But I was just trying to have fun with it. I had no expectations at all. I didn't think I would win any medals, anything like that. So I was just like going to the pool, taking photos, having fun. Like I was chilling in like the snack room at the Canada, like, apartment thing and eating like Cheerios all the time and I think it was like my first time having coffee every day and I was like (laughs) always hyped up ready to go so I was honestly just kind of having fun with it and making the most of it in the moment and doing as much as I could I was literally going everywhere in the village doing like absolutely everything (laughs) you didn't get down to McDonald's too often did you I know McDonald's is a very big uh it's a big one for the Olympic Games and people love the chicken nuggets and I've heard some crazy stories about the number of nuggets that people have eaten I've def I definitely went to McDonald's quite a bit (laughs) it was free and I that like blew my mind I was like you can get free things like what <laughs> i know i've never been to olympic games as a coach but i'm i'm very much jealous um because yeah as soon as i heard that that sort of village atmosphere sounds awesome and just getting to interact with all the athletes but obviously yeah, yeah. getting that mcdonald's would be fantastic now clearly <laughs> your back ends were very very strong in rio for all the younger listeners out there how much of that and say that last 25 meters is related back to training and, and training to finish that way and training to surge strongly into the wall and get that good touch. Because although, you know, we watch and, and you guys at the elite level make those sort of things look effortless. We also know that a lot of that just goes back to your hard work in training and you, you've put all those pieces together before. How much of that sort of, you know, as I said, and I think the, 20, the last 25 of the 100, you, only, you know, maybe you didn't even breathe. I can't remember, but I well, think it was something crazy <laughs> like that. So is that something you train or is that something you sort of, you know, doing on the fly? I think in that moment, I think I was just like desperate and I, was, I saw that I was dead last at the turn and I was terrified. So I was like, you literally have to put your head down at 25 and just not breathe and go and see what happens. Um, but I think 
what made it so good because I could have easily just like broken down and my stroke could have gotten like slower and slower. I think what made it like actually work was I talk about this a lot. Actually, I, I don't think I've ever talked about it on a podcast or anything, but I'll talk about it to like other swimmers in the group and stuff where I really try and work on making sure that my technique is like as good at the beginning of training as it is at the end. Mm -hmm. And I really try and make sure of that when I'm in practice and when we're doing hard efforts, if I can't go fast, I want to at least make sure that my technique is good because, and I even do it in the weight room. Like when I was doing a lot of like CrossFit kind of stuff, we do a lot of repetitions until you pretty much break your technique. And my trainer made sure like keep your technique mm -hmm. because like you need to keep it as good at the beginning as you do at the end, because it's going to like help you in the long run. And um, I think it helps in the races because if your elbows are breaking at the end of the race and you're not catching any water, like there's no point in moving your arms and kicking your legs as hard as you can. Like mm. if you have that technique, then you're pretty much like good to go because all you need to do is put your head down and just kind of go with the motions. And it's like natural almost. I absolutely agree. And as you were saying those words, I was loving it because I'm like, this is going to be a great soundbite for all the younger listeners out there. Because you honestly hit the nail on the head. And we, we talk about a lot as coaches that it doesn't matter how well, say even even 200, if you've set the race up right f physiologically and you're ready to go in that last 50, if your technique breaks down, it does not matter how much petrol you have in the tank exactly. because you're not, you're not holding water. So it all depends and goes back to that technique, which I, I loved it, as you said that. Yeah. Now, five years removed from Rio, what lessons did you take away from the games there that you're going to use leading into Tokyo? Now, we, we obviously, we've already said it's going to be a different games and there's going to be challenges, but no doubt you would have learned some lessons there that you're looking forward to bringing in because you're a lot more experienced now. Yeah. Um, I'd say like after the Olympics, my life got very overwhelming. I didn't really know how to deal with a lot of it. Like I was a high school kid trying to figure out like normal high school kid things while also trying to like navigate around like how many people kind of knew me in Canada and like my life kind of blew up and it was really weird for me. I was being pulled in like so many different directions and like all while trying to still be good at what I wanted to be good at mm -hmm. and it became pretty difficult for me I think it took me a really long time to actually like come to terms with everything and take the pressure off myself I had a lot of like talking in my ear and everything like that so it kind of became a lot for me but over the last couple of years and I'm honestly pretty grateful for the extra year that we got for the Olympics I think a lot of people were bummed by it but I kind of took it and I was like this is amazing. I needed this one extra year to kind of figure everything out. So um, I've like finally been able to figure out like mentally how to feel better about racing, how to feel better about like kind of the labels I got from Rio. I think for a while it took me a bit to come to terms with like Olympic champion. Like that freaked me out almost before when I would get up behind the blocks. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be watching me now. Like I have to win this. Whereas like now I'm trying to get back to that same mentality I had for Rio, where it was kind of just like, I'm going, I'm having fun. I'm confident in the preparation that I've had leading up to this. And like, whatever happens, happens at the end of the day, like I'm still going to come home and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to move on with life. 
Well, I'm glad you said that. It's, it's led me directly into my next question, which is you did perfectly. And I speak to my athletes all the time um, about, say, our own state champions or our national qualifiers, because a lot of the other swimmers in the team look at those guys and say, oh, they're lucky. Oh, oh they get to do these things. And I always say to them, well, you don't really understand. At that level, there's now more pressure applied to them. The target on their back is a lot bigger, especially if you're, you know, obviously a state champion or a national champion. You obviously, to a much more extreme level, having that Olympic gold medal around your neck. How have you handled, say, in the last few years, um, that sort of carrying around that expectation? You, you mentioned it there. So I'm more interested now in what processes you've gone about to try and break that down is that something you've worked on your own a sports psychologist which i recommend to a lot of swimmers who, who need it i think um, back in the day it was sort of looked at as a negative oh you're being a sports psychologist what's wrong with you but now i think it's at times essential or is it something you're working on with your coach like how have you broken down that process to now you kind of don't have that weight as much on your shoulders um if I'm being honest, I don't even think it was really anything I had to work on. Like I obviously the last few years haven't had the best racing that like I've ever had. And I think that was just because I was struggling with a lot of things in those moments. And I was just trying to like be good at a sport that I wanted to do while also dealing with so many things behind the scenes that like was never talked about. I don't even care to talk about it. I'm just like, yeah. to happen move on with it um but um I think it kind of just brought me to like such a almost like low point where I was like it can only really go up from here at the end of the day and so I think I needed to get to that low point of like where people didn't even want to count me in anymore people were just like Penny Lexiak isn't even in like the medal predictions we don't even think she's gonna make the finals and like it's kind of like how it was before 2016. No one really expected anything of me. And I'm just kind of like, I kind of like it here where I can go into a race and I don't have anyone writing anything about me and saying that they expect me to do like so-and-so because they don't think I'm going to do that well. And it almost motivates me more to kind of like prove myself, which I kind of love, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think anybody that's doubting you heading into Tokyo is a fool, mate. So that's just my two cents. Uh, I would be definitely keeping an eye on what you're doing, tracking, especially uh, you're sounding very confident at times with the way you're training and you're saying you're feeling very strong. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing how you go. Talk to me about your coaches that you've been fortunate enough to, to work with over your career so far. I, I love to always, and I guess being a coach myself, I think it's important that we definitely shine a light sometimes on the coaches. I think they're, they're sometimes overlooked. No doubt you guys get in the water and do the work, but it's definitely a lot of a team effort. How have your coaches helped you in and out of the pool? And what do you think makes those partnerships work so well? Um, I think I honestly had like the most perfect like coaching setup I ever could have had. Um, I went to Gary who he really just like saw the potential in me and really believed in me. And uh, he kind of saw that I was a pretty quick learner and I kind of picked things up pretty quickly. So he never really held me back. Like he would kind of push me to learn new things pretty quickly and it kind of forced me to progress a bit faster. And then I quickly moved on to Bill O'Toole who also like saw a lot of potential in me and he loved coaching with me and he made 
swimming very fun for me at a time where like I think it could have kind of teetered either way I think it was like it could have either been a lot of pressure for me and very stressful or it could have been like very fun and I think he helped me see the fun in swimming and like really show that I loved it I guess and I was like really happy that I got to work with him he really taught me a lot and a lot of like little technical things and then getting to train with Ben I think it was good that Ben like forced me to almost like progress into like his program he didn't kind of like just take me in and throw me in right away because I think I would have gotten like sick of it pretty quickly Ben's very intense um but once I did start training with Ben he kind of showed me everything about like the professional aspects of swimming and how to carry yourself on the pool deck um how to like really get ready for a race kind of like narrowing everything I already knew down to like being like almost like perfect with everything like what you should eat the day before what you should eat the day of when you should like wake up for your race what you should kind of do in your day so like now all that stuff is kind of like drilled into my brain and it's like very natural for me and I'm only like 20 Mm. so it's I don't know I, I feel like I already know kind of everything I need to do in my day and it's gonna be nice and two, three more years when it's just something that's like habit at that point. So I don't know. I'm really glad I've got the chance to work with Ben and I've got the chance to work with him for a a really long time. I think for sometimes he can get very intense where I'm just like, I cannot deal with this right now. Like, and I've told him before, like, I need the weekend off. I can't be on your schedule this weekend. Like I can't deal with this, but, um, he's really good with like keeping you focused, keeping you on that like consistent training schedule. And like, he never lets you like slide off at all. Like he always keeps you on track, which I really, really like. Now, mate, given that this is an Australian swimming podcast, I've got to ask, did you enjoy Australia when you came out for the Commonwealth games in 2018? Back when we could travel, by the way, back in the, back in the good old days when we could get around on planes. Um, I've actually been to Australia a few times for, I went in like 2014 or 2015 for some like junior meet. Yep. And I had like so much fun. There was like a huge storm in Australia at the time, I think. And me and my friends like went out into like the ocean in our, with our fins on and we were like riding the waves in and everything. And it was so fun. But um, 2018 Commonwealth Games. I loved coming out to Australia. It was like gorgeous and I had an amazing time. It wasn't my best meet at all, but I I loved the atmosphere. The fans are really great in Australia. Mm. Did you get time to hang around after or did you have to get straight on a plane and get out of here? No, I got out of there. I had to. I was like, I can't even think about this meet anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, next time you come out, make sure you hang around for a while and Uh, get to see the sites um now uh, we've got to talk about your ambassador role with the phelps brand it's obviously one of the best brands in the business how long have you been hooked up with them and and what brought that sort of connection about um i've kind of been we had been working on working together i guess for i want to say the last like a year and a half to like two years almost Um, but then COVID came and it kind of like screwed everything up. Uh, 
it was pretty like I don't know they kind of just reached out and they wanted to meet with me they didn't really ask me of anything before we met and then when I met with the team it was like instantly I was like I have to work with them first of all like it's Michael Phelps's brand Mm -hmm. how could you not say no to that but second of all just kind of everything that they stand for and everything that they were doing I really loved and it wasn't like this intense brand that's like almost like scary to like younger swimmers you know who are just like oh my gosh like I don't know what to do you know it was kind of like very welcoming to younger swimmers and also like competitive swimmers and I I love that because I just love like people swimming and being active it's kind of my thing I don't know I love it (laughs) yeah but um and I don't know once I kind of made that decision it was pretty quick that I made the decision it was like maybe a couple days after I met with them I was like I want to work with them I have to do it and then I got went to like a shoot with them and I got to meet Michael and he was super super welcoming and he like gave me his number I was calling him texting him like all the time whenever I had anything I needed to ask him and it was just such a good like family kind of atmosphere it sounds cheesy but (laughs) um everyone I've met from the team is honestly so welcoming and that's like such a big thing for me I love like feeling comfortable with the people I'm around and the people I'm like working with and partnering with so I was like very very happy with them absolutely well that great team environment just makes you want to work harder for the the people and and you know in and around your team um you mentioned they're obviously being able to chat with michael now i don't want to get too personal but is there stuff the information advice that he's given you that you can share with us that you've taken on board obviously as i said don't you don't think obviously nothing too personal but is there anything that he's sort of um you know advice he's given you that you've been able to use and implement um he's just been very good like I don't know I I don't even know kind of like we've had a lot of really random conversations but he's just been very good with helping me kind of navigate what I want to do versus like what I need to do and like kind of choosing what I want to do more than what I need to do and sometimes like vice versa um he like gave me a really good book recommendation which like literally changed my perspective on a lot of things once I read it so that Which was like now it's called the power of now. <laughs> um, I, I literally post about it all the time and I'm always talking <laughs> about it. Um, but uh, no, once he gave me that and like, I don't know, he's just been very like almost like brotherly to me. And we've had a lot of conversations about like how similar we are and everything. Mm-hmm. He, we got to go for dinner and talk and everything like that. And his wife is super sweet. So I don't know. I'm just very grateful for them. Well, as you said before, you know, that being a team, it's obviously he's a very good teammate and he's a very good leader of the team. And obviously he's, he's playing his part as a, as a leader of that team. You also have been fortunate enough to start your own collection line out of the Phelps brand as well. Talk to us about that. I know you mentioned earlier that there might be a, a, an end date to your collection line in terms of, you know, it's only out for a limited time. Talk to us about how that came about. How creative were you? How influencing were you in, in where that sort of direction went? And uh, how fun was it? Um, it has been like very fun. I mean, the fact like, I feel like it's every kind of young swimmer's dream, like to come out with like suits and everything like that and get to pick like colors and things like that. 
Um, I know for me, I've always talked about it, like when I was younger, but um, it's really awesome that they kind of like right off the bat wanted to come out with a Penny Alexia collection. And I think it really shows how much they actually like believe in me and how much they're really supporting me. Um, I didn't get to be like a huge influence, like because of COVID and everything, I wasn't able to like do any, like fly out and go and kind of do everything. But um, I was like able to kind of tell them my favorite suits, my favorite goggles, like all the colors I kind of liked. And I'd say it's like a very kind of girly collection. And I, I really like that. And it's really cute and kind of, it's also very surrounded around like the Tokyo Olympics with like the Japanese cherry blossoms on the suit and everything like oh, nice. that. So I just kind of love the whole like vibe of it. <laughs> very nice. Now let's get away from swimming for a little bit. What do you yeah. get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? What do you, what do you do in your downtime? Um, I, I don't know. I don't really do a lot. I'm very into like design and like fashion kind of things. Um, like today I'm literally going to go do like a shoot for some random like clothing items and fashion stuff just because like that's what I love to do. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all I do. I spend my days like on Pinterest and looking at like furniture and like designing my apartment. I always tell my boyfriend, I feel like I'm staging a new apartment every few months. Like I'm always buying new furniture and I'm like, okay, let's change the whole vibe of the apartment. Like, mm -hmm. I'm crazy with that kind of stuff. That's pretty much all I do that and like hang out with my dogs. <laughs> Not being funny, but how, how good is it when you change your lounge room around and the whole setup? Uh, I must admit, I am very much the same. I don't get new furniture at all, but my <laughs> wife will quite often come home from a whole day out of like a Saturday and the whole lounge room is changed completely just because I got I bored and I was like, no, this has to change. I'm over it now. No, that's literally me all the time. I'm always <laughs> like, okay, how can I make my whole space new? Like yeah. I need a change. <laughs> yeah. It just feels, it feels like you've been on a holiday and you're back and it's all fresh and new and you're like, Oh, okay, I feel good now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what about, um, and you're still very young. So in no way, shape or form, am I trying to push you down the uh, retirement route, but have you got <laughs> plans for, for life after swimming? Have you got an eye on the future? And you mentioned there with fashion and, and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not totally sure right now. Um, I think like for me, my mindset is kind of like, hopefully like interior design kind of vibes, I guess. I don't know. I'm like working with my sister right now. My parents are redoing their house. I'm working yeah. with my sister on kind of helping her with that. And like, I'm starting to like shadow under a couple interior designers. So I hope I can move into that eventually. But, um, I don't know. We'll see where swimming takes me. Maybe I'll be able to come out with like my own clothing line or like furniture line. That'd be really cool too. Absolutely. But I'd like to uh, finish our chats with some less serious questions. Um, and it's more just rapid fire. So whatever, you know, first comes to your head, you throw it out there and it's just around, you know, your favorite music, things like that. I think it gives us a good insight into what you like away from the pool. And I guess it makes it a little bit less, thought out you know we don't have to draw out with these long, long questions that's favorite music so uh, i'll throw it out to you and then whatever comes to your head first you throw it back so i already gave away the first one what's your favorite music to listen to um right now new drake songs he's coming out with new stuff he's from toronto yep. i love him 
My great. swimmers are all big Drake fans. Whenever we're in the gym and it's always, they're always telling me what I have to put on. It's never what I want to listen to. <laughs> I always have to put their songs on. But yes, if I have Drake playing, they're, they're always pretty happy with, with whatever's going on. What about your favorite movies to watch? Um, I don't want to watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of like Netflix series, I feel like. I watched the Behind Her Eyes series recently. It's okay. weird. Did you see the one with the the Cecil uh, Hotel? Did you watch yeah, that? Yeah, it creeped me out too much. I love like <laughs> things like that, but it was just creeping me out way too much. Yeah, it was very very creepy. Um, any tattoos? I have eight tattoos. Eight. Yeah. Wow. Did you get the Olympic rings? Yeah, that's the first thing I got. Like as soon as I came home, and my mom used to always make the joke that. I can only get as many rings as I get medals. <laughs> <laughs> it's harsh. Always like, can't have all five rings. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, favorite countries you visited? Um, I'd say like Australia is definitely up there. I think it's like number one for me. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of been everywhere. But, like, I'm such a Toronto girl. I love Toronto too much. <laughs> <laughs> what about favorite moment in your career so far? Um, I'd say the bronze medal with the girls at the Olympics for the four by one. That yeah. was, like, my favorite because, like, I've been training with those girls for so long and getting that medal was, like, amazing. Uh, biggest influence? Um... Definitely my parents, I'd say. I'd say they had a really big influence on me, like growing up and really being like focused and diligent with my sport. Very nice. And the last one is, do you have a favorite quote or any favorite quotes? Are you a quote person? Uh, not a huge quote person. I'd say, I don't know. I don't really have any big quotes that I really think of right now no you're right it's always a hard one to leave at the end no no don't because <laughs> my mom is such a quote person though like my mom will hit me with quotes all day long <laughs> yeah and as coaches too i think sometimes we read them so much that they just sort of roll off our head like one of my favorites <laughs> is the harder you work the luckier you get so going back to you know what i was saying to you before about all the swimmers saying oh they're lucky they're lucky well no they're, they're just hard workers and they get lucky from the hard work my coach's favorite is one of you has to win. So let it be you. Let it be you. And I there's like it. five of us in the water and we're like, <laughs> darn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, Penny, I think that is a great chance to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on for a chat. I know you've got a shoot to head off to as soon. And it's like, what is it coming up to 6 PM over there. So thank you very much for agreeing. We've actually been, um, sort of going backwards and forwards to set this up. I think we were going to have a chat late last year and then the season was coming to an end and I didn't want to sort of just do a random chat with you for the sake of yeah. it. I wanted to make it mean something. So I'm glad we did, by the way. So thank you for sitting down with me, going through your career so far. I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing how you're going to go in Tokyo. I know we've got obviously a few Aussie girls going to be in there as well, but I, I think uh, you're going to do pretty well, mate. Good luck. Stay safe, thank stay healthy. And thank you for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you so much. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our fantastic sponsors at Pro Swim Workouts. Head over to proswimworkouts.com today to find out more information about the great work that Nico and the team are doing for swimming coaches right now.
Thanks again for joining us today, guys. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Penny Alexiak, and I'm very much looking forward to bringing you my chat next week with French swimming superstar Beryl Gastadello, so make sure you can join us again for that. Until next week, though, guys, good luck to all those swimmers heading up to the Sunshine Coast for National Open Water this weekend. If you see me around, make sure you come and say hi. I enjoy uh, meeting up with people that are fans of the show. I generally have no idea who listens to this once it leaves our house. So make sure if you see me, come and say hi. Good luck to everyone. Good luck to my own team coming up there to Coolum. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And it's bye for now.